This message is brought to you by ABC Church in Ammonford, West Wales. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org. Good morning, everyone. Are you enjoying the weather? It's fantastic, isn't it? There is something unique about Britain. Have you noticed something that's unique about Britain? I don't know, those of you that travel to different countries and go to different places and you meet different types of people, there's something unique about British people and about Britain. You see, we talk and we say the daftest things sometimes, don't we? And the weather is one of those things, isn't it? That we would start a conversation, it's the ideal icebreaker when we meet somebody new, either at a social engagement or a party or at work or whatever, even if we're coming into someone's reception office for a meeting, we might have the brolly with us as we come in and the first thing we say is, well, weather's terrible outside, isn't it? raining cats and dogs. Or if it's hot as it is now, you know, we've been crying out for the weather and now the sun is hot. Two people yesterday with me in the garden as we're enjoying some time. Guess what they say to me, Andrea? Ooh, back again, it's hot, yeah? It's too hot, it's always too hot, it's too cold, it's too wet, it's too dry. There's something unique about Britain and we use these unique little phrases Um, And I've been reading a book by Rob Temple uh, called Very British Problems, that we say things and we begin conversations in in Britain and in the United Kingdom that quite often we don't even mean or don't make sense whatsoever. So shall I give you a few of them as an introduction uh, this morning? Uh, You're at a wedding and you meet somebody you've not met before and you say, I love your dress which actually means in code, you're braver than me wearing that. Does that. Is that what it means, girls? I love your dress, you're braver than me wearing that. And the other one that's a nice, we should catch up soon, which means I'll see you at the next wedding. That's basically what that means, isn't it? Um, and the other thing that we do, you know, have you done something where you've, you've broken someone? Someone broke my lawnmower yesterday. My prized possession broke my... I'm not, I'm not naming names at all. Dating Caris at the moment, but I'm not naming names. I'm not naming names as to who broke my mower. But when we break something, have you had this happen to you? My wife's done it before. I'm just saying, she's done it before. She says, I'm not sure what happened to this. Means, I think I've bust this and don't know how to say it. I'm not sure. All of these very British problems that we have. So can I ask you, are you enjoying the weather? Yes, I hope you are. The weather, whether it's too hot or too snow, something happened in February 1991. How many of you around there? That changed the way we perceive certain things. Any of you love snow? Come on, the kids love snow. We all love snow. Well, something happened in February 1991. Those of you that might have been on the train at the time, we had the wrong type of snow. Do you remember when that had happened? When the trains came to a standstill and the head, the operations director for British Rail turned around and said, well, the problem on the trains today is we have the wrong type of snow. And that's been an euphemism that all of us have used, the wrong type of hotel that we're staying at, the wrong type of um, things that are going on in our life. And I want to speak to you this morning, if I may, from God's word about two types of fear. The right 
type of fear that we need to have that's healthy, but also the wrong type of fear that some of us are very, very familiar with. You see, in our society today, our society is consumed by fear. We're scared of everything gone. We're scared of even offending people. These days, that's how so bad our society has become. And we've got so many phobias today. It's unbelievable. If you Google phobia in Google, it's amaz amazing what you will come up. So we all know some of them. Let me see if you can help me today. Claustrophobia is the fear of confined spaces. Well done. Shout somebody in the corner in the back. Arachnophobia. Yes, there's, look, I'm just saying, right, the spider is that big and you could step on him. You could. I know some people that step on spiders. Our dogs eat spiders. They catch them, they eat them. Unbelievably tasty, apparently. But he's only that big. And in our household, I'm not sure if it's arachnophobia, but they're definitely scared of spiders. Oh my gosh, there's a giant spider in the bath. So I'm going in. Expecting to find a giant spider. What, how tall would you think a giant spider would be? You know, about eight, nine foot tall. That's how tall a giant is. But this giant spider is like every other spider I've removed from the bath, which is just that tall. Glossophobia. And glossophobia. The fear of public speaking. Not being able to do speeches. But let me share with you, because we're all familiar with some of those, but some modern phobias that had until the last 250, 300 years. Mysophobia. Now, don't guess that stupidly, please. <laughs> Mysophobia. The fear of germs. Uh, you know, when you were in school, boy girls, boy germs and girl germs. And we did, boys didn't want to mix with girls in school because girl germs and boy germs are different, aren't they? That's what it was in our school, I tell you. Germs. Germs. But some people get so consumed with this, they've got to wash their hands and they've got to do all kinds of things because they are gripped by mysophobia, which is not the fear of mice, as somebody was whispering, I heard. Aerophobia. Loads of people have got this. The fear of flying. Thanks to... Oliver and Wilbur Wright, we now have this modern phobia called the fear of flying. Electorophobia. The fear of chickens. The fear of chickens. Eh? Globophobia. This was in our party yesterday as we were preparing and blowing some balloons. Guess what globophobia is? The fear of balloons. Anybody here suffer with that one? Really? Wow, look at that. Unbelievable. And these fears are real to the person that has them. You've heard the acronym, false evidence appearing real. That's what fear is, false evidence appearing real. And we build up all kinds of things in our head about fear. But that's one type of fear. Just like I want to talk about the different types, of, just like we spoke about the different types of snow, I want to talk to you today about a different type of fear. 
Not that kind of fear that we've just discussed now, the fear that's mentioned a lot in the New Testament, because we know that perfect love casts out fear. We should be scared of nothing at all, because God's in control, God's got a plan for us, and no matter what comes our way, we know that if our feet are on the rock, Christ Jesus, that He will keep us safe, that He will look after us, and God's got a plan, everything is going to be okay. We know that as Christians, that trust in God. So we, and as people, are not consumed by fear as others are so that it mobilizes, immobilizes us, but we are working through those fears that so many of us have learnt over time, false evidence appearing real, and we take them on board. But not all fears are bad. Not all fears are bad. So I hopefully, as we turn into God's Word in a moment, I will introduce you to another type of fear that's discussed in the Bible. Not the fear, that's the phobia fear, and I'll talk about the meaning of some of these words in a moment. We should fear not. Do you know the Bible says 365 times in the Bible that word fear not. Go home, Google it. No matter what you're facing for every day of the week, there is a fear not in the Bible that's for you. So fear not. If we put our trust in God, we can be free from phobia. But the phobia that I want to share with you today, and I want to discuss with you today, is a good type of fear, because not all fears are bad. Not all fears are bad. And it comes from the Hebrew Scriptures that I want to, to look at, and we're going to turn to Psalm 111 in our Bibles together. If you've got your Bible, or follow me uh, on the text as it'll come on screen as we read together Psalm 111. That's easy to remember. We've got to put God number one. We've got to put His purpose as number one. And we've got to trust Him in all things as our number one. Can we do that? So I want you to put this at the top of your list today, Psalm 111. And the reason I love Psalm 111 is it's the closest thing, I think, my own personal view, it's the closest thing that we have to the Lord's Prayer that we have in the Old Testament. You know the Lord's Prayer that we all learned in school, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, etc., etc. We learned that because the disciples came to Jesus and said, look, teach us to pray, teach us how to talk to God. And in the Old Testament, there is this psalm, and come and agree or disagree with me after. In my opinion, this is the psalm that is closest to the Lord's Prayer in the Old Testament because it contains all the components of the Lord's Prayer. God's grace, give us our daily bread. Forgiveness, forgiving our trespasses. Temptation, lead us and deliver us from evil. All those kind of aspects. Have a comparison when you get home and compare the Lord's Prayer to Psalm 111. So are you ready? Turn to me to Psalm 111. Praise the Lord, it says. I will extol the Lord with all my heart in the counsel of the upright and in the assembly. Great are the works of the Lord. We've been singing that this morning, haven't we? Great are you, Lord. Great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. 
Glorious and majestic are his deeds, and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. He provides food for those who fear him. It's not like, give us this day our daily bread, eh? He provides food for those who fear him. Not all fears are bad. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works, giving them the land of other nations. The work of his hands are faithful and just, and all his precepts, that's his teachings, are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever, enacted in faithfulness and uprightness. He provided redemption for his people. Isn't that great? Deliver us from evil. Redemption for his people. He ordained his covenant forever. Yeah, yours is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever. He ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. Hallowed be your name, O God. Verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Not all fears are bad. The beginning, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts, his teachings, have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. Amen. Come on, let's pray. Father God, as we turn to your word, will you give us a fresh understanding of what it is to fear the Lord. Will you help open our eyes that see things in a very modern way based on the way our culture has developed and based on the society that we live in? Lord, help us to understand this particular word and this particular teaching and this particular principle that you want us to understand in your word today that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And that you care and protect all those that fear you. Open our hearts. Open our minds. Help us to understand today, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Awesome! Awesome! Have you heard that word these days? It's the most overused word ever, isn't it? Awesome. Oh, that chicken, Dad, that, that KFC, it was awesome. Look, there's lots of things that are awesome in life. You know, we can look at views into space of planets and stars and the universe. We can look at the wonder of nature as maybe we look at the Niagara Fall. But I'm sorry, in comparison to that, a KFC chicken is not awesome. It might be very, very nice. It might be flavorsome. It might be awesome. And on this sunny day, when Gareth is probably going to come out driving his Harley Davidson and taking it out in the sunshine, and we're all going to be very, very envious. I feel the Lord sharing with me that you're to leave that Harley Davidson for me after your time, uh, Gareth, you know, that I can ride it away. Uh, but as he's going to be there on his Harley Davidson, you know what? It's going to feel what? No, it's not. It's going to feel maybe lovely, and it's going to feel good, but it's not awesome. 
You see, the word awesome has its root meaning of awe, A-W-E, awe. And literally, it is something that comes out of our very soul and out of our very being when we see something sometimes and we see some sights. We might see a baby and it's your baby. It's your son or it's your daughter and you see them for the first time and you go, you go, oh, that's what awe is. It's the awe of an awesomeness that renders us oftentimes speechless. And all of us have moments in our lives, defining moments, and I can take you to them right now. I remember James chickened out this. He did when he was marrying Aileen. I said, see if you're a brave man today. I said to James when he was getting married back last year. I said, when your bride is coming down the aisle, turn around and have a look at her and see how wonderful she is, Monica, and try and hold it together. James chickened out, guys. He waited. She was all the way up. I didn't chicken out at my wedding. I turned around. I looked at Ruth, and she is looking, she's looking amazing now. But then when I saw her in that dress that day, I just went, I was speechless. It was awe. It was awe. She, and I began to just grip, get a grip, because you know what I'm like? Get a grip, don't cry here, Phil, because she was awesome that day, I tell you. That's some Gareth, not a Harley. <laughs> oh. And the word fear God has its root in this word awe. In fact, in the Hebrew Bible, so you know the Bible is split up into two parts, the A.D. and the B.C., the after Jesus, after Christ, and the before Jesus. In fact, our date today comes from the Scriptures. That's how we measure time. Today is 2,018 years after the birth of Christ. That's how we measure time is relative to the birth of Christ. So if you grab a Bible and you split it down the middle, well, not quite the middle, it's, th it's three quarters Old Testament and probably a quarter New Testament, that is a line that's drawn in history between the old covenant, the old time before Jesus, and then the new covenant, the new time after Jesus. And in the Old Testament, more than in the New Testament, this word awe or a reverent fear of God is used. Now, the New Testament is, was written in Greek and Arabic in its time. The Old Testament is written in the ancient language of Hebrew. And it's a very, very descriptive word. It's, it's like Welsh. There's no word in Welsh that hasn't got a hidden meaning to it. So like babies' names and girls' names. In Wales, we don't name towns and valleys and places just because we thought it sounded good. You know, like Reading. Was it Reading? Or what does that name mean? Do people read there? Or what do they do? So we, in Wales, when all the ancient places have been named, they've been given with meaning. And every Hebrew word has a distinct meaning to it. And the word fear God, this word to fear God, is a good type of fear. It's a word of awe. Let me tell you, these are the noun and the adjective for it, okay? The Hebrew word kal, Q-A-L, isn't that good? Isn't that impressive? Yeah, thank God for Google and thank God for all of this stuff. I don't know this stuff naturally. I had to go look it up. But I love it. I love it. It means to stand in awe of. 
Fear God, to stand in awe of, to fear and to be in awe and to give it reverence, honor, and respect. I tell you what, when you'd be looking at the Niagara Falls, you're forced to look at it in awe, but as well as that, you're forced to give it respect and honor, aren't you? You try and go boating at the bottom of that and say, oh, I'll just go and have a look at the little waterfall. <laughs> Good luck. It'll wash you away. It'll eat you alive. Or the adjective, the Hebrew word nifal, it means to be fearful in a way that causes astonishment and awe. To hold someone in awe. To be inspired in reverend awe. And one of the things I want to say before we jump into just the three things I want to share quickly from this uh, scripture today as we just quickly draw things to a close and look at the type of fear um, that God wants us to have in our life that is healthy. What I want to say is this, as we look at this subject of fear, can we, when we're looking at the scriptures, try and seek out this type of fear and make the difference with it? Because I want to say something here. You know, those of us, we say, Father God, I wonder how I manage to exist. We think, we think phrases like that. I am well aware that when some of us connect with the word Father, we connect with not a loving Father because of things that have happened to us. We care with a, a controlling, maybe abusive, or that word Father, for some of us, is a difficult word to use. It's a really easy word for me to use. I'm privileged enough to be born in a home where my parents love me, my father wanted the best for me. So when I think of my physical dad, I had this kind of awe or fear of my father. I was, I was, it wasn't scared, I just didn't want to let my father down in certain things. Do you know what I mean when I'm saying that? If you've got a respect or you hold someone in awe or reverence, then it develops in you from a place of love and from a place of wholeness, a place for you to be able to honor them. Do you get what I mean? Because it's a difficult concept. The easiest way I can describe this is the difference between a good boss and a bad boss. Any of you had a good boss that you've worked for in your time? Any of you had any of those? Come on, put your hands up. It's interesting. Fantastic. Any of you had a bad boss? Okay. So, if the bad boss, you turned up late to work, would they say anything? Yeah, they would. Would the good boss, if you turned up for work late, say anything? Yeah. Okay, sorry. I just thought you said you had a good, bo boss, a good boss and a bad boss. Okay, sorry. The good boss and the bad boss, then, back to this principle. Did the good boss, um, you know, drive you every day to get all that work done? And the bad boss, sorry, drive you really hard to get all the work done? And the good boss just let you off with everything? Say, oh, just come in for work, twiddle your thumbs, we don't really care. Did they? No. no. The difference is, in those experiences, is it comes from a place of respect and understanding. Because the good boss primarily as a drive respects you. They want the best for you and you know it. And because a good boss wants the best for you and the best thing for your life, they encourage you in all of you do. They catch you doing something right instead of catching you doing something wrong. They're always encouraging you. They're always challenging you to, for your next step. In fact, when you go home, you're still shattered. But it's a nice type of shattered that you're exhausted because of the buzz of the day. Whereas when you're working for a boss that's bad, 
you still go home shattered. You're exhausted from all the mind games and all the hassle and everything. And it draws and sucks your power. Do you get what I mean? So in the same way, when we become Christians, we're asking God to be the Lord of our lives, aren't we? We're asking Jesus to be the champion and the savior of our heart. In fact, we want him to be number one in all that we do. And I've done that. And many of you here have done that. That's not a good thing or a bad thing. It's just the right thing. And we say, God, will you be Lord over my life? Will you be boss of my life? That's what I've asked. But he's a great boss. He's a great father. He's a great God. So this fear or this respect, or this holding in awe or high regard, is that same type of emotion, that same type of meaning that you endear to the best boss you've ever worked for. He is the components of that. If you were to disassemble that relationship, come from the very heart of God to want the best for you and the best for your children. Do you get it? Okay, let's tuck into this word and the three points. If something's awesome, we respond by saying, wow, don't we? So by means of uh, example this morning, I just want to use this small acronym, WOW, W-A-W, as we finish together and just look at these uh, areas that are in the scripture that God wants to teach us um, today. The first W, we should welcome this fear. Welcome. This type of fear, we allow it a place in our hearts. Because it's a love that comes from perfectness. It's a place that comes from the heart of God, from His love for us. Because perfect love casts out fear. So perfect love, if we have a reverent fear and we hold God in awe and we respect Him and we honor Him with our love, the very act of fearing God like that casts out phobia, which is the other type of fear because not all fears are bad. Get it? So what we do is we welcome in this love. We welcome in saying, God, I don't want to let you down. You know, that feeling that we have sometimes, you know, when, when, we've, when we've spoken to somebody, you know, maybe a bit sharply, or we've said something, or, or we've done something. We feel, don't we, as Christians sometimes, oh, I need to go and apologize to that person. I was maybe a bit sharp with them. That's the fear and respect of the purpose of God in your life that's on you, that is causing you to repair that situation. Welcome that type of fear and respect honor and wisdom into your life. Do you get it? Because this fear to hold God in awe and in respect and in high regard is a superb thing to have in our lives. You know, I find myself, the older I get, you know, turning to things like the Lord's Prayer. And I find myself in in prayer, taking more time on my knees now than I ever have. I used to just pray before, you know, that Abba Father, we come to God, you know, and we just say, but I found myself, the older I've got, there are some situations where I feel the need to just, in my bedroom or in the lounge or wherever I am, to just literally get on my knees and just pray, giving awe and giving respect and giving the rightful place to Jesus Christ and to God our Father for all that he's done for us. Amen.
Okay, so we need to welcome this type of fear in. Encourage it, water it, welcome this fear in. And the reason we should welcome it, so the first W of wow, welcome. The second thing, authority. You see, we think the word authority is a bad thing, don't we? We do in general, don't we? We think the word authority is bad. And people that have authority over us have a power over us. Even a lot of the time, we don't know it. You know, when that police car comes behind you when you're traveling to work, and the police car comes in front of you, you're already doing 30 mile an hour in the 30. Don't worry about it. But when the police car comes behind you, you slow down at 25 mile an hour. Why do you do that? Why do we all... Because, oh, there's a policeman behind you. We suddenly concentrate on our driving, even though you're a perfectly respectable driver. Why is it you do that? Because the policeman has authority. Authority. When you're kids or teenagers, we say things, put that away, quick, mum's coming. Why do we say that? Because we know that mum has authority. Does it mean you don't love your mum? No, it doesn't. You love your mum, but mum's got authority because she wants the best for you. So we need to allow that authority, God's authority, to come into our lives. Welcome the fear. And that fear that comes with authority. Read Psalm 111 uh, again. You know, that authority. We fear Him. We fear Him. And He brings His blessing into our hearts and our lives as we allow His authority to take place in our hearts. And then lastly, as I close with this, when I, we talk about the wow. When we talk about when we imagine God or when we see his splendor or one day those of us that will make it across to the other side and we'll see Jesus. I, I don't know, what are we going to say when we finally get to meet Jesus? There's some people that will write an essay, I suppose, and get in front of him and say, oh, I think I'll just be speechless. I think I'll just say, wow, wow. And I'll fall at his feet and thank him for all he's done for me in turning my life around you. Welcome the fear. Allow his authority to have a place in our hearts. But you know, it brings us wisdom as well. The last W, wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of... The fear of the Lord is the beginning of... Do you want to be wise? Do you want to be wise? Make good decisions. Make sensible choices. Then fear the Lord. Allow Him to have His way in your heart. Allow Him by His Holy Spirit to change you. As we sang this morning, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. And as the team come up, I want this to be the dedication of our hearts as we sing to close. That God would come and reveal to us His grandness and greatness in a way today that we've never noticed or seen before. And that the Holy Spirit by His power this day would teach us what it means to have a reverent fear of God. Because not all fears are bad. There are some fears that are good for us. You see, the whole thing about fear is there's a healthy place for all of them. Those people that are scared of water. We should be scared of water, shouldn't we? Because we can drown in it. But we need to have a healthy fear of that water. We need to have a respect for it. We're out on the yacht 
or out in the sea that we respect the ocean many a soul has gone out to sea and hit many a big wave and not had adequate respect for it and not come home we should have a fear for confined spaces can we shouldn't we but we should have a healthy fear because if we haven't got space and we're in a confined space, there ain't much oxygen and without much oxygen, we ain't going to live long. But what happens is these fears take a control and take a grip of us and they lose control. And the reason they lose control in our society today more than ever is because we have lost the good fear. We have lost the good fear, which is a respect for God and his purposes in our lives. So much so that so many people up and down this land and up and down the globe are turning their backs on Jesus, turning their backs off God who made us and shaped us in his own image by his pattern and said, if you will honor me, if you honor me, if you will fear me and if you will respect me, I will work my plans in you. I'll raise gifts in you. I'll do all kinds of incredible power through you if you will just hold me in reverent fear because not all fears are bad. Bless you. This message was brought to you by ABC Church. For more information, please visit our website at www.abclife.org or search for us on Facebook or Twitter. You can also contact us by phone on 01269 596000.